Please be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be on you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God which engages us is both the Old Testament lesson read previously and also the account of Pentecost in our second lesson for today. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, it happened about 25 years ago before we had smartphones and GPS, before we had MapQuest and Google Maps, you actually had to call someone and ask for directions to a certain location. And so I was on the phone with a very nice lady who was directing me to the Lutheran Campus Ministry site at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin. Everything was going along fine until she said, when you come around the corner, go immediately into the ramp. And I said, into the ramp? Don't you mean either up the ramp or down the ramp? And she said, well, yes, you you go up and into the ramp. And I said, you go up the ramp to where or, or, or to what? And after about another minute of this confusing conversation, I finally figured out that what we here in St. Louis call a parking garage is referred to as a ramp in Madison, Wisconsin. Then after I arrived and parked in the ramp, I went inside and was getting an orientation to the facilities and this same very nice lady said, and if you get thirsty while you're here, there's a bubbler right down at the end of this hallway. I smiled and said thank you. And later I walked down the hallway to find out that what we call a drinking fountain here in St. Louis is actually called a bubbler in Madison, Wisconsin. Even though we were both speaking English, there was a great deal of confusion in our conversation. And that confusion can be multiplied many times when people are speaking different languages. And we see in our Old Testament lesson for today that God himself is the source for that confusing communication, but with good reason. Our Old Testament lesson for today starts out with the the fact that all people at that time had one language and had the same words. And that certainly makes sense because they were all descendants of Noah following the flood. And more specifically, Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. A Lutheran scholar many years ago did some calculating. And based on an average of eight children per family, which was the average back at that time, he estimated that there were about 30,000 people in the inhabited earth at that time, the time of our text. And it's amazing when we look at our text how inwardly focused, how self-focused these 30,000 people were. They had already disobeyed God's command in Genesis 9 verse 1 to disperse over the earth and multiply. Instead, they decided they would congregate together in a very beautiful and desirous valley that later would become a part of the nation of Babylon. And did you notice what they decided to do as they congregated together? To build a great tower up to the heavens. 
not to the glory of God, but to the glory of themselves, so that we will make a name for ourselves, in their own words. God rightly concluded that now, with the one language and the same words, there was nothing that they wouldn't be able to accomplish, understood again for their own self-interest and self-centeredness. And so he, in effect, saves them from themselves by coming down and confusing their language so that when they spoke to one another, they no longer could understand one another. And so frustrated were they as a result that they gave up on the building of the city of Babel and God dispersed them as he originally had commanded. Now fast forward to our second lesson for today, the lesson that describes the events of Pentecost, and we see God doing the exact opposite. We see him doing the exact reverse of what he did in the Old Testament lesson. God, on the day of Pentecost, uses many different languages, not in order to create confusion, but in order to create clarity and understanding. You see, there were in Jerusalem, on that day of Pentecost, Jews from all parts of the inhabited world at that time. Pentecost was an Old Testament festival that went all the way back to Moses. God had commanded that on the 50th day following the Passover, that God's people would bring forth and offer to him the first portion of the barley harvest each year. And so year after year after year, God's people from all parts of the inhabited world would come to Jerusalem and offer the first portion of their harvest as a thanksgiving offering to God. And also there, in addition to all of those visitors, were in fact the disciples on that day of Pentecost. And as they were gathering together, suddenly was, there was the sound of a rushing wind. And then there were tongues as of fire that came and rested on the disciples. And then the disciples began speaking in other known languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not in order to create confusion and misunderstanding, but rather to create clarity and understanding. So that all of those visitors to Jerusalem from all parts of the world would be able to hear and understand these disciples proclaiming the wonderful works of God in their own language. Imagine that. These simple men from Galilee who had never studied these foreign languages are now proclaiming the mighty works of God in all of these different languages to people many of whom they probably never had met. What an incredible, miraculous demonstration of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. And Peter uses this opportunity to rise and to further proclaim the word of God, saying to the people at that time that Joel had in fact in the Old Testament predicted that this would occur, and then later on in his sermon, clearly identifying Christ as the anointed one, the long-awaited Messiah, and the Savior of the world. And what was the result? 
The Holy Spirit indeed was at work on that day of Pentecost. For as Luke records, 3,000 people were added that day to the number being saved by faith through Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Holy Spirit was speaking with clarity, not with confusion. What does all this mean for us, we might ask? Certainly in our lives also, God, through the Holy Spirit, has spoken with great clarity in the midst of all the confusion around us. And in fact, when we look into the Scriptures, we see that we, by our own nature, are conceived and born a lot more than merely confused, spiritually speaking. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the natural man, the way we are by our nature, without God working in us at all, the natural man, Paul writes, cannot receive the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot comprehend them. And Luther said it so well in the words that we confessed just a few minutes ago. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, Believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. When you stop and think about it, all that Christ did for you on the cross and in the empty tomb would be absolutely of no avail to you whatsoever were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You wouldn't be able to believe it. You wouldn't be able to receive it with faith and trust. As Paul would write later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. And this same Holy Spirit has spoken with great clarity through the Word of God in your life. For most of you here, I suspect that first happened in your baptism, where the Holy Spirit worked through water and word to call you to faith in Jesus Christ. At that point, giving to you freely everything that Christ had purchased for you on the cross. And it's that same Holy Spirit that continues to speak clearly through word and sacrament so that you might continue to grow and be strengthened in your faith. When you stop and think about it, Jesus Christ has made the forgiveness of your sin and your eternal life a possibility for you, but it is the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament that has made your forgiveness and eternal life a reality in your life, making it your eternal possession. And now this same Holy Spirit desires to work through each one of us, first of all, as individuals, to speak clearly the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of this confusing world. He works, first of all, through the lives that we live, the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we don't do, and the things that we don't say in contrast to others. It is noticeable, and it causes people to inquire about the one true God whom we serve. As Jesus said it, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
And this same Holy Spirit also desires to work through us collectively as a congregation, to speak with great clarity the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in these confusing times. Back on Wednesday, May 29, your called staff members here at St. Paul's met for our annual late May staff retreat. And there, first of all, we reviewed the results of the congregation-wide survey that was conducted almost a year ago now in preparation for the calling of a new senior pastor. And after reviewing those results, your called staff identified three main areas that we would like to see receive special emphasis during the coming year. The first of those areas is equipping families. For example, parents enabled to equip their children and nurture their children in the Christian faith in addition to what happens here in church and school. Family units also consisting of a single male, or a single female. Family units also consisting of a husband and a wife without children. They will all receive the attention and emphasis of this first point. Secondly, youth and young adults. Giving our teens and our young adults additional opportunities to connect with one another but especially also, again, to grow in their Christian faith in addition to what happens here on Sunday morning. And finally, the third area, serving opportunities, namely more of them. Giving us here at St. Paul's, members of all ages and backgrounds, more opportunities to exercise our faith and put our faith into action as we serve others who are in need. Now, obviously, we will do more than three things in the coming year, but instead of trying to identify eight or ten or twelve major areas of emphasis, we focused in on these three, praying that the Lord of the church will work alongside us and through us to bring about great blessings through those who are impacted by these three areas. And so on this day of Pentecost... We pray that the Holy Spirit would work in us in much the same way that he worked through those disciples on that day of Pentecost, that he might give to us clarity of purpose and life, and especially also clarity of speech, as we proclaim clearly Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. May God so grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.